Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. My next guest, Jamie, gave her dad an extra long squeeze the last time she hugged him. Somehow, her soul just knew to hold on a little longer. It was a Wednesday when Jamie's world would be forever changed. When her parents set off to Bora Bora for her dad's 59th birthday, Jamie had never imagined that they wouldn't make it to their final destination and that her parents' dream trip to paradise would turn into a nightmare. Jamie's father, Rick, passed away unexpectedly. Jamie and her brother would have to fly overseas to support their mom and help bring their father home. In the mix of emotions and grief that came flooding in after her father's passing, Jamie started journaling. And what started off as a therapeutic exercise turned into something more beautiful than she could have ever imagined. Her dad's passing led her down a path of self-development. Jamie started to talk about grief and share her story. And today she's going to walk us through her journey through the darkness and into the light. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I want to start here. Your father, you've said, was your absolute most favorite person on the planet. So can you take us back to your childhood? What was it like having your dad for a father? Oh, wow. He um, was the best father you could probably ever imagine. I know everyone says that, but my dad was just so, so amazing. He was supportive. Anything I wanted to do, he supported me. He gave his advice, but supported me anyways. Um, I could do no wrong. Even when I was wrong, he turned it into kind of a, a life lesson. So I learned a lot of things for him. He was very, very successful. So he taught me kind of um, how to be successful, but um, balance your family at the same time. He was just such a great, great person. He was an inspiration. Yeah. So having a father like that, after reading your book, I've told you this, I feel like I know your dad, the way that you described him. I just know that he is such a good person and I can just feel, yeah, how much positivity that he spread through his life. So can you take us back to that Wednesday? when you got the call? Yep. Um, so the, the night before we celebrated my dad's birthday, we all had dinner um, and whatever. It wasn't anything special. Nothing really stood out. We just had a, a nice dinner. Um, the next day at work, um, my, I worked for my dad. It was his company. So the next day at work, um, I had said my goodbyes to them. Um, I gave my dad a hug and then he was kind of sitting around waiting for my mom. Um, and something just told me to give him an extra hug and squeeze him and say goodbye and make sure it was a good, um, a good goodbye, I guess. And so they, they left, they left from the office and all was well. They went, they flew to San Francisco, I believe, or sorry, Los Angeles. And then, um, they, they texted me and they said, made, um, 
or no, sorry, they from Los Angeles, they went to Tahiti for a layover. And I got a text saying, we barely made our flight, but we're here um, one more stop till Bora Bora. And then I get another text and my mom says, our luggage didn't make it, but that's okay. We're, we're still happy. We'll be in paradise soon. And then a few minutes later, I get a text, your dad is having a heart attack. So I was at work and I'm, my dad was very particular. So I thought it was just an expression we all use. Oh, I'm having a heart attack. No, he was having a real heart attack. Um, so I called my mom. I said, why did you text me that? Like, is everything okay? And from there, I heard her on the phone, just, just crying. My whole entire world shattered. Um, my dad was resuscitated four times and he went to the hospital in Tahiti and unfortunately he didn't make it, but just, I was on the phone with my mom throughout the whole process. So it was just, it was heartbreaking, but I found this sense of strength that came over me when I was on the phone with her. And I just said, mom, breathe, take a glass of water and just breathe. Just, it's okay. I don't want to lose both parents. So this kind of wave of strength, which felt like my dad came over me and I just had to just say, just, just calm down, just breathe. Everything will be okay. And then my brother and I made it out to Tahiti after 24 hours of flying. And that is when, um, I knew I'd never be the same person. Right. In your book, you had said to your boyfriend, or maybe not said, but he knew that when you came back that, yeah, you would not be the same person. So how was that being across the world and not being able to do anything while your mom was, I mean, that wave of strength came over you and you were... Mm -hmm. She was probably so thankful to have you, but being so far apart while, while she was going through that, what was that like? Oh, it was absolutely terrible. Um, it, it was just so awful. She was in Tahiti, which is a French speaking country. So she didn't know a word of French. So she is there. Her phone is dying. She doesn't have a charger because you need a different, um, you, a different outlet in Tahiti. So um, it was awful. I called all our friends and family and just let them know, like, this is what happened. We're hoping for a miracle, but it's, it's unlikely that he's going to survive us. So I just did the best I can to check in with her often. But, um, I told my brother, I said, we have to go, we have to go regardless if he, if he makes it or not, we have to go help mom. So we, uh, we <laughs> planned our flights and everything, but the flights to Tahiti was was terrible but my brother and I also bonded so much on that trip which we've never had before which was it was kind of nice we we got to reflect upon our childhood and share stories so it was very bonding but terrible mm. so then you get to Tahiti where do you meet your mom and what's that like connecting with her and is your dad still um stable at this point when you get down there? Okay. So my dad passed away at two in the morning. Um, so he had already passed away by the time we went to the airport. So, um, we got to the airport around four. So he had died, um, two, two hours prior to us being at the airport. Um, we got to the airport and my brother and I are walking and a lady comes running after us and she says, Hey, Hey, I have your parents' bags. 
And so I'm like, what? Okay. So we talked to this lady and she's like, yes, I have your parents' bags. I saw what happened. I'm so, so sorry. I hope your dad's okay. And I said, well, he passed away. And I said, how did you know? How did you know it was me? Like, you didn't have a photo of me or anything. How did you know? And she's like, because you landed in Tahiti and you were crying. So she knew. <laughs> My mom had made a friend at the airport who came and saw her um, at the hospital and gave her food and whatnot, just made sure she was okay. So she picked us up. She had a sign that said Sokolov. We got in her car and she was just amazing. She helped us with her bags and everything. She brought us to the hotel my mom was at. And um, we walked up the stairs and I just kind of froze and my brother ran to my mom and gave her a big hug and they cried. And I just kind of stood back for a second. I, I, and I don't know why it just didn't feel real. And then, then obviously I went and saw my mom and we all cried and we all um, stayed up really late that night. Just, just crying. Why, why did it happen to us? Mm -hmm. They, yeah, they were on their dream trip to paradise to celebrate yeah. and yeah, it turned into a nightmare. Sure yeah, that just oh, all the feels like that lady saying that to you you landed mm -hmm. in tahiti and you weren't happy i'm sure yeah everybody that lands in tahiti would be happy and in paradise and ready to take on an adventure so thank goodness for the lady that friended your mom and helped her along the way while she was waiting for you and your brother to arrive to help her so how did you then deal with, um, I guess, getting your dad back to Canada and then having his celebration of life? And how did that all look? Okay, so um, when we got to Tahiti the next morning, we went to the morgue. Um, and I, I was a mess, but the step, second I stepped in that hospital, I was, I was strong again. I was running around the hospital, filling out all the forms we needed to do. I was just like, I was so, so strong. So we went to the morgue, we said our goodbyes. Um, and then we had to find a funeral home. My French is very, very limited, but I used um, the French I did know. And we managed to find um, a funeral home and go from there. Um, so apparently you need to travel with your marriage certificate, which who, who travels with that? My mom didn't even know where it was. They've been married for 42 years. Um, so she needed his marriage, her marriage certificate, which was um, before his body could get home. So we had everyone at home um, working really hard, going through all her stuff, trying to find it. Uh, we didn't end up finding it, but a good friend of ours who was amazing throughout this whole process, he was just unbelievable and he he did the life insurance policies but we called him for help he managed to find a form that kind of made her exempt from needing her marriage certificate it was just like an affidavit stating their marriage was um true but from there we had wanted my dad's thought well his wishes were to be cremated so Tahiti does not for do um cremations so our options were we could have his body sent home or we could send him to New Zealand to be cremated and then sent home. So we decided to get his uh, body sent home. Um, it took about two weeks 
taking it home a week and a half. I'm not quite, I can't really remember. It's all kind of a blur, but um, when his body did get home, we had a funeral near my house um, and we filled the place. <laughs> we had, um, we estimate between six and 700 people. The place was just packed. The amount of lives my dad influenced and the people he touched was just un unbelievable. And um, I just remember being there in the lineup of people that just didn't stop. Everyone had a story about my dad. So, I mean, although the whole process was heartbreaking, it just means so much that he touched so many people. Yes, that speaks volumes right there. Yeah having that amount of people show up to pay their respects to him and the family that yeah that just speaks volumes right there showing how incredible of a person your dad was and how far his reach was mm -hmm. yeah. so and the funeral was right before covid kind of hit correct Correct. Yeah, it was uh, March 7th. So it was about a week before everything got shut down. So when it was the last time you've been in a room with 600 people, like it's not, I don't think it'll ever happen again. Mm -hmm. That, yeah, what a blessing that you got to uh, celebrate his life and hear the stories and have all of the people show up for you and your family before everything got shut down. Yeah, I do consider myself very lucky that we at least got that. But it's just like after he passed away, the whole entire world shook up, not just mine, but everyone's world just shook. He just made waves. Mm -hmm. So I know the timing of that. When did you, so you had this incredible strength come over you through kind of the process supporting your mom. Mm -hmm. um j just get going maybe into autopilot and just taking your dad's strength to make all these decisions and be there for your mom and whoever else needed you when did that kind of fall away from you when did like the grief really hit and really sink in for you so it kind of started right after the funeral. Um, and once everything got shut down, I noticed less and less people were reaching out, which is totally normal. It's normal that the first couple of weeks, everyone wants to know how you're doing. And then they kind of just, not that they forget, but they kind of just go away and they give you your space. And that's when the depression sinks in like, oh my God, my dad is not going to see me get married. He's not going to see my children. He's you know, he's just, he's not going to be there anymore. And that's when it's kind of went downhill and I was angry. And my boyfriend is like such a great man because I was not easy to live with. <laughs> There's a part in your book. Can I read a little part from your book here? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, um, you wrote after being up and down for a while, I hit the lowest point of my grief. I was angry and depressed and quite honestly questioned my existence and why I still needed to be here. I yelled at my boyfriend. I wished terrible things on him. I yelled at my mom. I was nasty and I hated the world. I hated work. I hated myself. I found no joy in life and did not want to move forward. I was a mess and I'm grateful to those who stuck by me when I was so awful. So going through all of that and finding your yourself in this dark 
spot. Mm-hmm. Like what, how long were you in there for? Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't long. It was like a month, I'd say. And what, what was the turning point then to set you kind of in the direction of the light from that dark place? Um, it kind of just came out of nowhere. Uh, one night I had a dream about my dad and he was really, um, he was really thin and sick. And it's just like, it was almost like if he did survive this, he'd be miserable. His his love of life would no, no longer be there. And then in the dream, he said, I, I don't have to be here for you to do good things. So I woke up the next day and I'm like, holy shit. Like I can't sit here and be depressed my whole life. He'd be so mad. He'd be so mad at me and he works so hard that I'm not going to give up on life anymore. I'm going to enjoy every day and I'm going to do everything I can to share our story and just make my dad proud of me. So you started journaling. Mm -hmm. Is that when, is that when you started journaling or did you journal through the darkness too? Or when did that kind of shift and start for you? It kind of, it started after I kind of started the shift and I just wanted to, I was always so afraid of forgetting him and forgetting all the good things about him. So I began writing like, this is what he taught me. Oh, this was a great lesson. And I just kind of reflected on all our memories and all our wisdom. And it was just, I was so scared of forgetting. It's been a year now. And of course I know I will never forget my dad, but at that point, I just kind of wrote everything down. And then I'm like, Oh my God, this needs to be shared. So I, (laughs) I did it really quickly. Yes. So in, it has just been a little over a year. And in that year, you have, like you said, you wanted to share your story and share a part of your journey and a piece of your dad with the world. So in such a short time, you wrote a book and published it. So what was that journey like? That is incredible to, (laughs) yeah. And to be so vulnerable and put a part of you, it's not uh, a fiction story that you're sharing with the world. This is your reality in your life that you have compiled into this incredible book and you're sharing now. So can you take us through that process? Sure. Um, so once I kind of started writing and I just felt called to share and I said, I'm going to write a book. I just, everyone kept saying, you know, all these bad things that are happening to you guys. Um, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer that a few months later. So that also helped me kind of write a book because everyone was saying after everything life is thrown at you guys this year, you should write a book. And I kept hearing that and hearing that and hearing that I'm like, holy shit, I should write a book. So I, I began writing. Um, I did like a little bit a day and it just made me feel better. And then I searched for a self-publisher and once I signed the contract, I knew I was all in. So I just made it work. Um, it's hard kind of thinking about how people feel about it. Um, like my mom and my brother, I, I was kind of concerned about how they would take it because it's not only my story, it's theirs as well, but they are both great. So. Wow. And so how long did it take you from start to the publishing date? It took me about six months. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, when I when I say I'm going to do something, I, I do it. So I was going to do this. I was going to do this for my dad. Um, and I was going to just share our stories. Like stories like this aren't stories you just let let die. I just I had to tell the story because who who had who goes that way? Right. Yeah. So when you say that, like when you say something, you're going to do it, where did you get that from? Was that something that your dad had instilled in you or is that just something that you were brought up to, to be? <laughs> um, it was my dad, of, of course, he was so strong and anything that he promised, whether it to be to me or himself, he made happen without a doubt. So I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. So what was the worst that anyone's going to say? They're not going to read it. My story's out there. I don't really care. I mean, the support's great, but I didn't do it for the support. I did it to get our story out there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like another um, way to honor him and his memory. Like you were saying that you don't want to ever forget about your dad or what he was like or the memories. And now you have this book that is living out there in the world. Like he will not only from yourself, never be forgotten, but other people will get to experience him through your story and be able to relate to, you know, so many people go through a similar tragedy and maybe it isn't shared or talked about um, often or, I mean, with strangers too. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, your story is definitely going to help people travel like you're the title persevering for peace a guide to finding the light in the darkest of times and yeah this book i think is definitely going to help people move from mm -hmm. dark times in their lives if they've ever been through something similar or going through a heartbreak or finding themselves in a dark dark spot where you once were that there is light and look at where you are now what 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 are things like for you now, just like a year later? Um, they're, they're okay. I still have my moments, of course, but they have kind of turned from bad days to just bad moments. So I'm able to get myself out of it quicker. Um, I practice gratitude. I do a lot more for myself. I go for walks. Um, I meditate just everything that I can do to make myself better. And I just kind of took this self-development journey um, and I've just decided that I'm gonna live. So I've just changed certain things in my life um, as the readers in my book, who, anyone who's read my book will know, um, I did something to make me happy, healthy and busy. So happy, um, now I surround myself by plants, animals, everything that kind of makes me, me feel good. Um, healthy, I went vegan. Um, and I'm not saying you have to go vegan, but it was just something I wanted to do for myself. And I just feel, I feel really, really good. Um, I run, I walk, I just am more active. Um, and I keep myself very busy. Um, I rate or I organize Rick's Run Canada which was a socially distanced because of COVID. It was a 15K run um, where the runners or walkers could do it anywhere they picked. I ended up raising $30,000 for the Heart and Stroke Foundation. So now I'm on, um, I'm doing it again this year. So a lot of my energy is going into that. 
Um, I would love to double my goal. <laughs> this year is um, I'm donating the money to Heart and Stroke Foundation, but also Shades of Hope Wildlife Re Refuge. Um, my dad just loved animals, where and that's where I got my love of animals from. Um, yeah, so that's why I chose those two two organizations. So my life is pretty pretty good. Um, I just quit my job. Um, I can't really say much about that right now, but I quit my job and it was the best thing for me. So right now I'm taking the time to heal and just kind of find myself and my purpose and just taking it easy and everything will flow together. And I, I do believe that. So what did you, what were some of the steps that you took in this self development journey? Where did you start for someone who maybe was, is in the same place that you were, how do you even start that? And what are some of the things that you focus on? Um, gratitude is a huge one. So every morning I have a five minute journal. Um, so every morning I write what I'm grateful for and how it's, how it can be a good day. Um, and then you kind of shape your day from there. So gratitude's a huge one. Meditation's a huge one. Um, I've probably read every self-development book there is. <laughs> I read four <laughs> books at a time. Um, I'm really, really like, I'm committed to this, this journey. So how, how are you a different person, um, from a year ago in, in terms of self-development with all the work that you've done? How have you changed? Um, I am calmer. That's for sure. Um, I am more mindful of myself, but others as well. And I realized that everyone is going through something. So to be nice and kinder and just kind of put myself in other people's shoes. Um, I am a person I like now. <laughs> I just think that I'm, I'm just focusing on the good things in life. I'm not complaining as much. I'm just not putting any negative energy into the, into the world. I'm just trying to be as positive as I can. Mm -hmm. So, and what about the relationship with your brother and your mom? I know you said that your mom shortly after got diagnosed with cancer and that your dad's passing had kind of bonded you and your brother. Are you still close and connected? We are. My mom and I have always been close, but we are very, very close. Um, she lived with me for quite a few months. And now she's at her house, but I drop in every now and then. We're always in um, constant communication, but she's doing so, so well. And I'm really, really proud of her. My brother and I are still really close. Um, we just have a, a bond. Um, it's unfortunate that our, our bond started after his my dad's passing because he would love that. But we're very, very close. Um, he just, his wife just had a baby. So she's almost a year old. Ooh. So it was like a little bit of brightness after the storm. So. Oh my gosh. That's so sweet. So I wanted to ask you a few questions. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of your favorite memories of you and your dad? Oh God. Um, well, my first memory, 
um, was when I was three years old. The first thing I remember is my dad holding me up at our new house and saying, he used to call me baby because I was the baby of the family. So he said, baby, this is our new home. <laughs> so I love that. I love that. That's my first memory. Um, oh my God. There's so many, so many good memories with him. Um, just days on the, at the boat, he, he captained his, he had a 52 foot carver that he loved and, um, just boat trips with him were amazing. My boyfriend and I would go, um, once a week per summer and we'd go anchor out and just, it was just amazing. It's just everything, all the memories up North his great big bonfires <laughs> and his, uh, his cooking. Uh, I wasn't a vegan when he, when he did his cooking and I honestly probably wouldn't be if he still was here to do his chicken wings, but he, oh my um, gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> he made, um, he had a party and he made chicken wings for 70. No, I think it was 90 people. So he's just on the grill and he he's making all this food and he just, he loved it. He loved to help people. And I just miss, I miss his laugh and he was just such a good man. And I know not a lot of people get good men like that in their life. And I'm still so, so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. It sounds like you and your family definitely made a lot of memories around the lake and the water and yeah, you said in your book too that you really held on to and loved the traditions that you had mm -hmm. kind of as a family. Are you what are you going to move forward with some of the traditions that you used to maybe do with your your father? What kind of things are you going to keep doing um, in his honor? Well, we we cut down a Christmas tree. I know it's not very vegan of me, but we do it, so I'm <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I'm going to stay with that. Um, we, we did it um, last Christmas. It, it was hard, but we still did it. Um, and we'll probably continue with that. And uh, the shot of fireball whiskey <laughs> uh, while we're cutting it down. It went, uh, <laughs> went from hot chocolate to fireball when my brother and I were growing up. So we'll do that. Um, and just... I mean, we'll continue with our family dinners for all the holidays. We'll continue to celebrate as much as like, I'm not excited for them as much anymore. We're still going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. I know every holiday without him there to celebrate has definitely got to be really, really hard to keep, keep going. And still, like you said, try to look for the positive and gratitude I know mm -hmm. those are things that definitely help, but still when you're missing someone who is so, so, so important and such a, played such a key role in who you are and, mm -hmm. and how you show up, that's definitely gotta be, yeah, very, very hard mm -hmm. to do. This, but as my book says, we, we keep persevering. So we persevere through all the bad times and, and that's how you get to those good days. So right keep going so my next question is how has your dad helped shape you into the person that you are today um he that is a very tough question <laughs> um he has he just had this this attitude about him and he was really kind but he didn't care what anyone thought about him so he just had this like or i mean lots of people liked him but i'm sure people 
some people didn't like him, but um, he just kind of taught me that like, be, be genuine, be authentic. And if people don't like it, then too bad. What, what does it matter? Um, and he just taught me to be successful and not settle and to, to work hard and do things that make me happy and, you know, not save all my money and travel and do things and, and live while I'm alive. Mm, I think that's such an important lesson because there's so many people who are uh, working to then live mm-hmm. later when they have time, mm-hmm. when they have money, when they have this, but you aren't guaranteed tomorrow. So mm-hmm. yeah, if you're not living today and doing the things that are bringing you joy and happiness today, you yep. might not ever be able to experience. So what, yeah, what a great lesson yeah. to be left with. And my dad, he, he lived and I love that. And that makes my heart so full because they lived. He bought his dream boat, he bought his cottage. He worked hard. He, he owned a business. Um, they traveled like two to three times a year. They didn't wait. And that's kind of the message I'm trying to get out there. Stop waiting, stop saving. Like, yeah, save, save some, but you can't take your money with you when you die. You got to live, you got to do stuff. You got to take it, even if it's a week, even if it's just somewhere local, you have to do something. You have okay. to, you have to live. That is such a powerful lesson. And I think so many people walking away from that, if they take one thing, yeah, live, live for today, live. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, um, extravagant vacations or mm-hmm. it, it could be, yeah, something local, go to a coffee shop, ha- chat with a friend, go for a walk, whatever it is that mm-hmm. brings you that joy and makes you feel alive, do the things on the regular. So yeah, even though your dad is not here today mm-hmm. on earth, he, lived his best life oh, and, <laughs> and, and in his relationships, like you said, you, your mom and your dad had been together for, was it 42 years? Yes. 42 years. Um, my mom, I believe my mom was 17. My dad was 18 and it was love at first sight. And they, they were together forever. They did everything together. They literally like got haircuts together. My mom would get her nails done. My dad would wait in the car and play on his phone. And she's like, you don't have to drive me. He's like, what else am I going to do? So he was just such a great, not only father, but husband. He was just amazing. And just everywhere he went, he lit, he lit up the room. He really, really did. And if he had something to say, he didn't care. He stood up and he said it. He didn't really care about what anyone thought of them. So it was just such a great way to live. And their marriage was just such a positive, a positive one. Yeah. What a great quality to be able to do that, be who you are, show up authentically and speak your truth. Because I think like you saying that he lived every day, like showing up as yourself and being able to, you know, lighten up a room and not care what anybody else thinks really Mm -hmm. plays into that too into being living a fulfilled life when you're able to yeah just show up as yourself Mm -hmm. um so is your dad still influencing decisions that you're making today he is 
um, every, especially when I am sad, it just something clicks and it's like, okay, stop being sad. Go do something, go walk, do what you got to do. If I'm in a fight with my boyfriend or like, I'm, I'm angry. It's just, I go, I'll go walk and calm down and I just come back to it. And he was just always so calm. He never, ever got angry. Even when I deserved him to be angry, he's like, no, this is going to be a teaching moment. So it's just kind of to calm down and just see the big picture. Right. That's something that you live by. I have a copy of your book and you've signed it. And what you wrote in the front page is see the big picture. So what do you mean by that? Will you elaborate a little more? Just to stop sweating the small things like traffic or you know what I mean or someone cuts you off is it gonna matter in a year from now so you get everyone gets so angry about the stupidest shit it's just it's true and it's like you need to just see the big picture is this is this decision I'm making going to better me this time next year if it is awesome I'm doing it if not then don't even worry about it So just see what you want and just visualize what you want and settle for nothing less. I love that. Yeah, that's so true. I think so much of our time is wasted on, yeah, like being cut off or stuck in traffic or being annoyed at the line in the line at the grocery store because the till is going slow. It's like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, see. So funny. Like people get so angry and now when I'm stuck in line, I'm make sure that I'm nice to the person. Like no one, there's so many things we can't control, but you can control your attitude and the way you kind of leave a situation. Like I want to be nice to everybody unless, unless they give me a reason not to be, but (laughs) it just stops sweating the small stuff. That's so powerful. Yeah. See the big picture. I think we could all use a little bit of that advice. I know that's something that I try to really hold true to, to, you know, focusing my energy and thinking about Uh what energy I bring to the situation. Yeah. Like maybe years ago, I'd be annoyed or whatever in the lineup. If, if the lady at the till was new or going super slow, if I I was in a hurry, but now I'm like, okay, I'm just going to enjoy the silence. I'm just in the supermarket. I'm Uh having a some time for myself. My son's at home. I'm just going to maybe look at a magazine or, you know, think about, Oh yeah. 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 And just be grateful that you can afford the groceries that are in your cart that you're going to ring up and you're going to go home and eat. Right. Yes. Seeing the gratitude in everything definitely mm-hmm. changes. Yeah. Changes things. So you wrote and published your first book, Persevering for Peace, A Guide to Finding Light in the Darkest of Times. And you organize Rick's Run. So can you tell the listeners where they can find your book? Where can they find more information about this run that um, that you're going to raise $60,000 for this year? I am yeah. signing up. So where can we find this and how can we support you? Okay. Um, so my book is available on Amazon. Um, so persevering for peace, um, or I have tons of copies. So you can send me a DM DM on Instagram. My Instagram is J at Jamie Sockloff. 
And to sign up for Rick's Run, you can go to ricksruncanada.com and you can register to run or you can donate if you'd like. Okay. And so people can run virtually. They don't have to be um, in a specific location this year. They can just sign up or donate and do the run from wherever they're at around the world. Absolutely. So last year I had people from Ireland. Um, I had friends in British Columbia. I had people all over. So wherever you are, you can run. Um, If you can't run, you can walk or you can bike. You can do whatever you need to do. Um, It's for a good cause. So wherever in the world you are, you can absolutely participate. Awesome. Okay. Um, What is next for you? What are some of your goals moving forward? I don't, I don't really know. I'm just kind of in the the flow. I'm kind of just going with the flow, but ultimately I would love to live up North. My, my mom's moving to Port Severn. So my boyfriend and I would love to move up there. So that's probably going to happen soon. Um, I just want to be happy. So I'm just going to trust the universe and something good is going to come out of this and I'm going to be okay. I just haven't narrowed it down yet. Awesome. Well, I hope you all the happiness in the world. I know that your book is definitely going to help people transform their lives and see the gratitude and find the joy and inspire them to live their life every day, as you say. So thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing your dad with the world because yeah, he is one incredible man. (laughs) He sure is. Thank you so much for having me on and allowing me to share my story. All right, everyone go out and grab your copy of persevering for peace and sign up for the Rick's run this year. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.